welcome you all to our Good Friday service. Go by television and as we go by radio and YouTube and other means of communication, we welcome those who are joining us and are in our services. And this is kind of a, a somber day. We consider it Good Friday, but it's a somber time. In years past, over almost 25 years, we've had somebody that's always had uh, had a long pole in the black robe was draped over the cross. And I'm not sure where that long pole went, but it's being draped over the altar. And in love, and Jesus is at the be- bottom of the cross praying for you and I as we enter into service. And we'll just go according to the order of service. If for some reason you can't be here Sunday morning, we have Sunday morning's bulletins available too. Over the past year or two, we've experienced a lot of life, loss in our lives. Just yesterday, a good calling of mine, my cousin, kind of a double cousin, because his father married my father and his mother, my mother, were kind of double cousins. His name is Kurt Tabor, and he passed away unexpectedly. And Stephen, we kind of remember those loved ones, and I spoke to the Thompson family, and and that beloved one. I, you know, I was kind of prompted too, as we were preaching here just a few years ago, that I should step aside and let him come up to the pulpit. I think next time, when I feel that prompting, I had talked with him, and he said he comment maybe an alternate time but you know what when you get to be what is it a 97 and a half 98 and a half oh well I should have got a hold of him a few months before wow 98 and a half so we remember our loved ones today that have gone on before us and have set their path but especially beneath the cross of Jesus let us stand now as we turn to our hymn beneath the cross of Jesus. Would you stand with me? Turn in your red hymnals, the hymn number 151, 151, red hymnals, please. Redeemed. 
Thank you. You may be seated. And our next selection is Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Printed in your bulletins. You may be seated. of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts really be saturated by that hymn. Let us um, chronicle some of the events of this week as we turn in our red hymnals to page 625, 625, and if you join me in the bold black print, 625 is taken from Mark chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 21, page 625. They were now approaching Jerusalem, and when they reached Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples with these instructions. Go to the village opposite, and just as you enter, you will find tethered their colt, which no one has yet ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you doing that, say, our master needs it, and we'll send it back here without delay. So they went off and found the colt tethered at a door outside in the street. They were untying that colt when, when some of the bystanders asked, Why are you, what are you doing on untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, 
and were then allowed to take it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and they spread their cloaks on it and Jesus mounted it. And people carpeted the road with their cloaks while others spread brushwood which they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and the others who came behind shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed son, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus, Jesus entered Jerusalem, as he enters your heart and my heart, the whole city went wild with excitement and, and began to say, who is this, people asked. And the crowd replied, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then if you turn with me to a few more pages, page 638, please. 638. It's taken from John, the 19th chapter, the crucifixion of Jesus, 638. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be nailed. And as you came in, I hope that you not only grabbed a bulletin, but maybe a nail, because I'm going to be talking about a nail. The offering plates are back there. The nails are back there. The communion elements are back there. You want to be sure and grab a number of those items. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be nailed. Say it with me nailed to the cross so they took charge of Jesus he went out carrying his own cross and came to the place of the skull as it is called in Hebrew is called Golgotha there they did what they nailed him to the cross they also nailed two other men two crosses one on each side with Jesus between them and Pilate wrote a notice and had it put on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, is what he wrote. And after the soldiers had, say it with me, nailed Jesus to the cross, they took his clothes and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. They also took the robe, which was made of one piece of woven cloth without any seams in it. And the soldiers said to each other, let us not tear it, but let us throw dice to see who will get it. This happened to make the scripture come true. They divided my clothes among themselves. They gambled for my robe. Standing close to Jesus' cross were, were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus saw his mother and the disciples he loved standing there. So he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time, the disciple took her to live in his home. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew that by now everything had been completed. And in order to make the disciples, the scriptures come true, he said, I am thirsty. And they soaked a sponge in the wine and put it on a branch, hyssop, and lifted it up to his lips. Jesus took the wine and he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and died. Let us turn in our red hymnals to were you there? Red hymnals number 145, please, verses 1 through 4.
Then as we continue in our service, if you would turn to your purple hymnals and turn to page 607, this is the covenant prayer in the Wesleyan tradition, and John and Charles Wesley's intent was never to start another religion, but just to reform the Anglican Church. Let us join in prayer. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Then if you turn back a few pages to 423, 423. As we empty ourselves of ourself, we want to find rest in God. If you would read this with me, it's a prayer of Augustine and a prophet. Let us join. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. In comparison with this big world, the human heart is only a small thing. Though the world is so large, it is utterly unable to satisfy this tiny heart. The ever-growing soul and its capacity can be satisfied only in the infinite God. As water is restless until it reaches its level, so the soul has not peace until it rests in God. And as you turn to the back of the hymnal, page 885, please. 885. Modern affirmation for nearly um, 40 years, I would say continue to be a, a chaplain in the U.S. Air Force. I was um, granted a commission to any of the academies back in 1969. Olden Langen, representing Olden Langen, gave me a choice on academies. And later on in life, I uh, went into the military and served and have shared this affirmation with some 47, 47 different denominations, and it's applicable to all those who hold Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the one true church, apostolic, universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit, as a divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance of the truth of Christ, and we find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in the service of love, as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord, to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen. I believe in
thank you. Would you repeat this after me? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As we kind of analyze that, that statement and what it means to us personally, interesting enough, Isaiah said it some six centuries ago, over 550 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah said it in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, that he was wounded for our transgressions. Wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, with his stripes, we are healed. And I ask you a question, is this why the people who executed Jesus had to torture him? Had to torture him so much before they killed him? I think not. There is something mean and there's something cruel streaking many of us when we are faced with, with love and forgiveness. Sometimes it seems we have to humiliate and hurt those who have come to help us before we can accept their healing and care. God knows it. Isaiah discovered it. Jesus experienced it. And we can accept their healing and care, and the world lives by it. The soldiers were under orders to kill Jesus in the standard style of execution Rome used for public criminals. Those nails which you have, and if you don't have it, you can grab one as you go forth and throughout the day just let it reminds you of this day. It is a good Friday for you and I, but it was a terrible Friday of agony and torture and pain for Jesus. And the soldiers were under orders to kill Jesus in the standard style of execution. Rome used for public criminals. Public criminals, just horrifying. I let a group, some of those holes in those areas where they had the, the crosses and were along the roads, and it was public humiliation, being hung on a cross, naked, nails through the palms of your hands and through your feet for criminals. Agonizing death on a crude cross driven into the ground into city dump. That was bad enough, but they, they exceeded they exceeded their orders by brutally subjecting Jesus to this physical and psychological torture before carrying out the cruel political and religious mandate to kill him. Mark puts it plainly that the execution squad called together the rest of the company and they, they put a purple robe on Jesus and they put a crude crown of thorns made out of thorns on his head, pushing it down until blood sprinkled and spattered from his brow. And they beat his head with a stick, they spit on him, and they bowed down before him as if homage to him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Now why the cru cruelty, why why the ridicule? Why the attempt of, of ultimate, ultimate humiliation? Don't tell me it was to make come true what Isaiah forecast six centuries before. I won't buy that. No, there, there's, there's more to human nature here at work than we care to admit. I, 
I won't let you make God or Isaiah take blame for such savage, savage cruelty. I'm afraid it's, it's a part of our human nature from pulpit to pew. It, it's human evil to curse, to abuse, to cajole and hurt those who, who come to save us. And among all things, I feel law enforcement is in this spiraling chaos currently today. We, we see love here, suffering love, and, and we can't stand such unwarranted, unwarranted affection. We can't accept unearned love until we seem to draw blood. We see tears or we watch the loved one writhe in anguish. Then and only then will we accept healing help and acceptance that can redeem us and restore the relationship that, that can save our souls. Put our minds and our spirits at ease. You know, why do women publicly ridicule the men they love and they care for? Why do men privately beat and abuse the women they sleep with? Why do parents slap, scold, and belittle their own children or grandchildren? I, I believe it has something to do with what Isaiah envisioned in those suffering servant passages through which we see Jesus here prefigured. I wonder, was it that cruel soldier who organized the torture of Jesus who later heard the Savior say from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Would this be the same, same soldier who, after Jesus had breathed his last and and escaped into this blessedness of death after such cruel torture, made his own judgment on Jesus, saying, certainly, certainly this man was innocent. Or as in another translation renders it, certainly this was a good man. Luke chapter 23, 47. Luke says the commanding officer, the assassination squad, praised God, after hearing Jesus say, just before he died, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I've been with many dying individuals. And I've heard those words. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, did this mean the soldier had found salvation? Did it mean that Jesus had fulfilled Isaiah's somber prediction about the fate of the Son of Man for whom the suffering servant Israel waited for so passionately? Did it mean that, that the death squad would, would never again torture their victims? What can we say about this? this nail that we, we hold. We take so for granted nails. Seems like nails become extra special if we happen to miss the nail and we hit our finger or our thumb. Trying to do a job. Did this mean that the soldier had found salvation? Did it mean that Jesus had fulfilled Isaiah's prophet prediction about the fate of the Son of Man or the suffering Israel would be so compassionate? And what can we say about the, this nail of the cross, this nail of the cross that we're challenged to carry around with us, this nail of cruelty, cruelty? We see it exposed it seemed like in my lifetime, cruelty would happen maybe once every four or five years, and then it's accelerated in the last four or five years to almost every month and every week, and now every day it seems like 
Cruelty, cruelty among cruelties. What can we say of the nail of the cross called cruelty? What does this cruelty at the cross of Jesus the Christ teach us about God's plan of salvation? Well, one thing it teaches about all else is that quite, quite often we, we are too evil. We say Putin. We say Russia. We say other situations that are going on in the world. Well, one thing it teaches above all else is that quite often we are too evil to save ourselves without seeing our own evil through the suffering of other people. Why does the world have to see all the network news of the Ukraine and women being raped and in China, mothers are being forced to leave their little children. They're crying out in their hotels and their high-rises because they're forbidden to leave their rooms, and many of them are committing suicide because of starvation. Why does the whole world have to see all this network news, Ukraine, over and over Night after night, the, the brutal beatings, the subway killer, and the miraculous fact that more were not injured or killed, the long-standing cries of the police and the black and the Hispanic and the residents of cities. Why does a community have to witness the murder of a mother by her her own 15-year-old son, and, and then, then his suicide before parents and students and, and teachers recognize the seriousness of the young man's social and psychological estrangement and dysfunction from school and family. Why, why did the Hitler, why did Hitler have to exterminate half of the Jewish race in the 1940s before the rest of the world rallied to stop the Nazis? Why did the great Christian nation, the Christian nation of Germany, that produced a, a Bach and a Schweitzer, allow the Nazis to come in power in the, in the first place? William Shriver, the noted radio reporter that was stationed in Europe during those awful days of World War II, said, once to Bill Moyers, and I remember this quote, and it went such like, what was important and terrible for our outside observers was that the vast majority, the vast majority of people supported Hitler with in incredible enthusiasm. Now, why was that? Well, for one thing, he was giving him full, full employment. He was improving the economics of the place by borrowing a lot of money that he never planned, never planned on paying back. And there's a certain militarism in our time that's in the blood. The Germans didn't care about the loss of freedom as long as they had some prosperity. Like history, like history, theology also gets distorted that we have seen over and over again. The Jews forgot the, the very purpose for which God had called the Jews out with Abraham and Moses. They were to be a, a select company of people, selected, chosen people. Those who would bless the Jews would be blessed. Those who cursed the Jews would be cursed. They had a real responsibility. Christian churches forget this all too easily, that Jesus died for all people. Christians in the Middle Ages forgot that the Arabs and the Muslims were God's people too and, and consequently earned the enmity of the Middle, Middle East, for which the worst Western world is still paying. Palestinians and Jews in Israel now have this half century of 
grievances against one another. The Palestinians as a political power have not brought into the theology of Isaiah and the Israelis seem blind and deaf to their own historic scriptures that call for the chosen people, the chosen people to do justice, to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with their God. As one news columnist has noticed, the world lives more by reality than by either Isaiah or the Gospels. Then he adds, only when people of goodwill and dreamers of peace on both sides are able to overrule the hard people of reality will rampant, will tranquility times return to the ancient land of Israel. Isaiah revealed that God gives power to endure the cruel injustices of those who do evil. Before Isaiah, it was common wisdom, common wisdom that only the guilty suffered. And suffering was some sign of God's displeasure with the sufferer. Read the book of Job. So in a very real way, Isaiah prepared the Jewish mind and, and, and the Greek and the Roman world in which Jesus came for God's new way. Isaiah, inspired by God, was saying that the suffering of the innocent becomes a medium of salvation to the whole community. For the good and the evil alike, the righteous must be by the means of salvation for the unrighteous and the unrighteous have nothing by which they can save themselves. Isaiah. And why is it, why is it that, that way, that the innocent have to experience extreme cruelty before the will and the way of the guilty is broken? All those innocent children and families that are being divided and separated and many of the males staying back and, and fighting the wars. Centuries of cruel destruction by European Christian invaders who had come not only to save, but to say, stay. Why did the evils of cruel slavery of the South require a senseless slaughter of innocent young men from the North and the South in our, our nation's most costly war between slavery was made illegal. And why, why did the idealism of, of John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. have to end in their assassinations before racial equality became the official position of American society? Why did allied military might have to destroy much of Iraq before Kuwait could be invaded and liberated? And why did Iraqi troops have to set more than 500 500 oil fields and oil wells on fire and unleash terrible loss and environmental calamity to the liberated country before they retreated back to Iraq. Why did American and other allied forces stop short of a complete takeover of Iraq as we did Japan and Germany in World War II and thus provide for that troubled country's liberation, just as we liberated Kuwait. Is stopping too soon in a just war as cruel as starting a war? No one has satisfactory answers to these troubling questions, but, but from my, my biblical perspective, the answers to these heart-rendering Questions are somewhat re 
rooted in the reality that Isaiah put forth in Judah's dark hour. Isaiah 53 says, because, because of your sins and because of my sins, because of our sins, God's suffering servant was wounded. He was beaten because of the evil that we did. We are healed by the punishment he suffered. We are made whole by the blows that he received. Isaiah 53.3, the cross, the nails. Sometimes we've sent you forth with crosses. This Good Friday, we send you forth with his body and his blood. The nail. The nails of Jesus is our only hope in life. The cross of Jesus in life and, and in death. It is here that we, we learn much and, and, and for all times that the cruelty that people do to one another is not equal to the caring that God gives to the innocent and the guilty alike. Isaiah learned it first but we have seen it at work in the world, supremely in the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus. God's one chosen to reveal his truth. Father, this day, may we see in the cross, may we see in the nails, may we see in these tokens and these remembrances as we go forth, the great offering that you've given for us. The offering plates are in the back of the church, the, the nails are, the, are there, the, the emblems, the suffering, the ordinance of your body that was broken for us, your blood that was shed for us. May we see on the cross and in the nails of Calvary both the cruelty, the cruelty of which humanity is capable as well as the divine love of which God is capable. And amidst the darkness of sin, may we see the lightness of Christ's resurrection and may we by his grace always choose love. Choose love over cruelty. Light over darkness and let the prayer that Jesus prayed in his last few seconds of life become our prayer and, and our legacy forever. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those that are listening by all kinds of means of communication, may we all audibly rededicate our lives by saying, Dear Jesus, we thank you that you died for me. I've sinned and fallen short of your glory by things I've done and left undone. Come Holy Spirit, Father into your hands, I commit my spirit. Amen. This ends our service. Go in, in the peace and the grace of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go with you now and forevermore.